We dropped into low seats of the black car, its interior a replica of the silver one we had been driving in. Maxine and I sat in the back, while Xavier sat in the passenger seat with the blonde guy at the wheel. It felt weird, like some kind of slow-motion group abduction. If an alien spaceship would have dropped out of the sky and little green men escorted us on board, I truly believe I would have just shrugged my shoulders, so nothing else would have surprised me more. But when we approached the main gate to a military complex less than five minutes later, I stood at a pair of colossal watchtowers on either side, overlooking an impregnable tangle of razor, wire, and concrete barriers, and I was surprised. Surprised at how stupid I had been. By suggesting, we head up into the mountains to get away from the soldiers and regroup. We had inadvertently headed right back into their web. The blonde-haired man driving must have thought we were all clueless kids after today's, after today's antics. Maybe he had taken pity on us. Could, could be he wasn't such a bad guy. I looked at his profile and decided by the look of him that he wasn't the pitying type. The gate opened for us without fanfare, no crisp salutes or greetings. Soldiers looked at us, but I saw no signs of recognition, just the same black stairs as we passed. A minute later, he stopped the car in front of a plain gray steel building. Get out, he commanded. The girl comes with me. You come too, he added, looking at me. What about him, I asked, gesturing to Xavier, unwilling to reveal his name. You mean the one that got away? Don't worry about him. He's going to finish his training and join the service, aren't you, son? The man said as the device flashed brilliant, brilliantly from the palm of his hand, dropping Xavier to the ground like a sack of potatoes. No! I yelled as I stepped to Xavier and kneeled beside him to cradle his head in my hands. Electric charge to the back of my head was the last thing I felt before waking up in a cell. Pain brought me to consciousness. Pain at the base of my head. Pain on the side of my head and pain in my right shoulder. As I began to process what had happened, I remembered the intense jolt to the base of my skull and I and wrote it off as some kind of taser. Next, I felt the side of my head. It felt sticky. When I spelled it, I knew it was my own blood. Probably from when I fell and hit my head. Since I was lying on my shoulder on a concrete floor, I decided the reason for that pain was obvious. It was dark, but not so dark that I couldn't see the bare metal walls of the room. I sat up and looked around, wishing I hadn't when the intensity of the pain made me so nauseous I threw up. The only good thing was I was fast enough to turn my head and lean over, thereby keeping my own vomit off my clothes. Score one for the good guys. Bright lights came from under the only door, which appeared to be thick and solid steel like the door to a vault. Looking around, I decided it wasn't a cell, but it might as well have been a cell since I couldn't see any way of getting out. Thirsty, exhausted, and scared, I lowered myself onto my back, being sure not to lie on the vomit. Funny, but at that moment, I realized I was starving. How strange, I thought, as I lost consciousness. A lot of clanging and banging woke me up the next time as they unlocked the door and pushed it open. Strong hands pulled to my feet, dragging me along. I couldn't fight it. I didn't want to, but I vaguely remember thinking of how pathetic I must have looked. No one talked. I cracked up my eyes and looked around, unnerved by what I saw. In the half-light of the warehouse, I saw row after row of soldiers reclining in chairs, wires hooked under their arms and chests, each one wearing black VR goggles. I heard nothing except for a low hum of electricity. I guess there were hundreds of people and they were all hooked up. Could have been more since I couldn't be sure how far back the warehouse extended. Bright light made my eyes close involuntarily. A moment later, strong hands released me and I dropped to the ground almost as fast as Xavier had done. Where was he? Where is Max? I thought of Finn and offered up a silent prayer of thanks that he'd escaped into the woods. Better he fend for himself than be chained up here with these creatures. I thought of the soldiers lined up with the VR goggles and had an image of Xavier passive and in the chair as a human terminal. 
I nearly became sick again, but breathed deeply until the feeling passed. Nearly everyone is dead, said a disembodied voice. It was a woman's voice, cold and severe. I know why the girl didn't die, but I'd like you to tell me how it's how it is you're still alive. The voice scared me. Worse, I wanted to dis to despair. I couldn't open my eyes. I didn't want to. Encourage him to speak, she said in a soothing voice. At least it would have been had it not been steel and ice underneath. Hers was the voice of a killer. A blow to my right kidney brought my face to the concrete. I tasted blood and knew right away my right front tooth was loose. The blood ran under the concrete. It didn't hurt, but I knew I was in a bad pl place, only getting worse. I thought of my friends, fearing for them. Let's hear it then before I lose my patience, the voice said again. I don't know for sure. Everybody started dying, and I didn't, I said. Pushed myself up with my arms so I could lift my head. I spit blood and continued. In my neighborhood, only the old and young survive. And you don't have a television, computer, or cell phone in your home? She asked. I broke my phone, and I don't watch a lot of TV or use the computer at home. We already turned in our Chromebooks at school, so I see. Here's your dilemma. In our new society, we have soldiers and workers. We have no free agents or communities of the old or young going about their own business. So you have to ask yourself where you fit in, she said. Up until this point, I still hadn't looked at her. And I was staying naturally closed due to the intense pain and the bright lights all around. Fear also kept me from looking at her. Now, curiosity began to overtake fear. I had to see the face behind the voice. I cracked open my eyes and blinked, trying to bring her into focus. Everything looked white, so I blinked some more. Still white, but I could see the vague outline of a figure. Then she began to come into focus, standing in front of me, her arms clasped behind her back. She wore a starched white lab coat, like any respectable doctor. Between the coat and her impossibly long stiletto heels were her long bare legs. Her hair was raven black and cut severely straight. Her skin was like pork slain. Her, lip, her lips ruby red and her eyes black and lifeless as coal. Having just completed seventh grade, I gave a lot of thought to hot girls. She was smoking hot, but she was no girl. She was a woman, terrifying, yet I couldn't look away. Somehow I knew she knew what I thought. A wicked smile came across her face, and her eyes sparked. You have no place here. That much is true. But I'll keep you around a little longer, until I'm sure I don't need you. I'd make you a soldier, but you're too short. She turned on her heels and walked out of my vision. I listened to the tap of her footsteps, which stopped suddenly. If we meet again, you'll do well to remember to address me as queen. Then she was gone, and I was returned to my cell.